welcome to the Beware of the Stampede podcast. I'm your announcer for today, Jeremy Grethel, and let's get ready for kickoff. Hello everyone once again, and thank you for joining me, Jeremy Grethel, from Beware the Stampede here on our podcast today. If you're not subscribed to our podcast, please do so that you can catch all our new episodes dropping on Tuesdays. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at BWR the Stampede, Instagram and Facebook at Beware the Stampede, and on our website at BewareTheStampede.com. Not only on our website can you follow us, but you can also find the videos from Joe from Believer's Talk, who we've partnered with and is part of Team Stampede. Joe provides the video content for all types of Buffalo sports, including our beloved Buffalo Bills. And you can follow him at Believer's Talk on Twitter and also Believer's Talk on YouTube and subscribe to his channel there. So, I want to talk about new digs for Norman, Addison, and Diggs. These are three of the most critical free agents I think we've signed this offseason, which are going to be critical to the Bills' success in the 2020 season. I think each of these guys brings a special piece to the team, that we were either replacing or lacking. Now, there's a lot of benefits to each one of these players, and not all of you I expect to agree with me. I don't always expect you guys to agree with me, but I'm going to give you what my opinions are and what my thoughts are regarding these three guys. And the first one I want to talk about is Josh Norman, then I'm going to talk about Addison, and then Diggs. Pretty happy with all three of these signings. I think they were smart signings. I think they were good signings. If there's any one of the three that I might question more than the other, it's probably Norman. And the only reason I say that is because some of the moves in the offseason regarding signing back A.J. Gaines, Levi Wallace, and then obviously of Norman. However, I'm going to talk about why I think Norman was still a smart signing and low risk. Because first of all, he's on a one-year prove-it deal for $6 million, which would pay up to $8 million. Now, when we did this, we still had over $80 million in cap space. So it was a very low-risky move for Bina McDermott to take on a player that they already knew from Carolina because he was a fifth-round pick back in 2012 and played his first four seasons under Coach McDermott. So there's the familiarity there, and we had the money to spend on a position that I think we needed to upgrade. Levi Wallace, as you guys know, is not my favorite player. I like him as a person. As a player, I think we can do better. And I'm going to kind of get into a little bit more about that. Josh Norman's best season was in 2015, where he finished with 56 tackles, four picks, three forced fumbles, 18 pass breakups, which earned him a first-team All-Pro. The All-Pro season led him to becoming the highest-paid cornerback in the NFL history at the time when he signed a five-year $75 million deal with the Washington Redskins in 2016. However, once he went to Washington and was put into a man-to-man defense as opposed to a more zone coverage, it did not fare well for Norman or the Redskins. I could give you some of the statistics, but the main things are he gave up eight touchdowns in 16 games in 2018 with a passer uh, rating of 109.3. In 2019, he only started eight games, appeared in 12. He gave up seven touchdowns with a quarterback rating of 129. Obviously, that's not good. For a guy that you're paying that kind of money, that was a history-making contract at the time. You expect a lot more from a player than that. The Redskins cut him because they saved $12.5 million against salary cap in 2020. And he only played 10 defensive snaps over his last six weeks. So it was a pretty easy decision, I think, for Washington at the time. They weren't getting the production, he wasn't playing, and it saved them a ton of money that they can put towards another position. 
from the Bills' perspective, I think this was a smart move because you've got Bean and McDermott, who know the player, know the system he played in, succeeded in that system, and you're bringing him in now to kind of fill into a role that I think we could upgrade. Obviously, you have Tredavious White on one side, and at the time, you've got Levi Wallace saying he's the starter at this point because Wallace was the starter last year. However, Johnson split a lot of time with Wallace. Not only that, Wallace had off-season shoulder surgery. So, obviously, you hope he continues to get healthy. God forbid there's anything that's barring that getting better. You want to make sure you have an insurance policy. Obviously, we've also brought back EJ Gaines uh, in that role as well. But again, his health has always kind of been questioned uh, as he's coming back from Cleveland. So, it now gives an opportunity for... Josh Norman to come in and possibly win that starting position. Um, obviously, we lost Kevin Johnson for agency. He signed that one-year deal with the Browns for $3.5 million. And again, he split time with Levi Wallace in all 16 games. So you've got a good competition for that other cornerback spot. Being a McDermott like having that competition, no one's really guaranteed their spot. And they've always kind of stated this. So it gives them an opportunity to have a good competition for that second spot between Wallace, Gaines, and Norman. And who's going to take that? So you're going to have to come in and earn it. And again, Norman, low risk, high reward. We're not paying him a ton of money for a guy that has that kind of talent. Granted, yes, he didn't succeed in Washington, but it was not a scheme that fit. I mean, the thing is, you're picking up an all-pro guy, first team, for $6 million up to $8 million. Pretty solid. Obviously, McDermott knows Norman quite well from Carolina, because they played that zone defense. Also, if you look at some of the players that have left schemes that were they were in and went to other teams where they didn't quite fit, sometimes they're not the same players. Take, for instance, former Buffalo Bill Preston Brown. When he left the Bills, he's never been the same. When he was with the Bills, he had 100-plus tackles in each of his first four seasons. But then, since then, when he left the Bills... He's just kind of floated around. He's never really stuck. He's never really had a season or anything even remotely comparable to what he had with the Bills. So sometimes you have a scheme and a team and a system that just fits the type of player you are. And it's tough as a professional athlete. I'm sure to balance, I want to make the money, but I know I'm successful here. And trying to figure out where that happy medium is. And I think that's where Josh Norman, unfortunately, kind of failed in that instance. You know, he was in a good scheme. He was in a system that fit well, that worked well for him, and ended up going for the big contract, the big money with Washington. And it didn't pan out in his favor. And now he's going to Buffalo to try and recruit and say, hey, I'm still a quality player. I still have something to offer if I'm in the right type of system. So he's going back to the familiarity of a coach in a system that he knows how to operate within. The other thing is, you know, you look at Levi Walls. He started all 16 games. He's coming back. He had an 85.5 passer against rating. Um, Norman gave up seven touchdowns. Wallace and Kevin Johnson last year only gave up three touchdowns combined. So, big difference there. Um, the other flip side of that is, is obviously Wallace was not guarding the number one player, number one wide receiver on opposing teams. Norman always was going to be because uh, of that man-to-man coverage. Obviously, in the zone, you get a little more leeway there. The other thing is, last season, Norman was ranked as 111th best cornerback. Levi Wallace was ranked as 44th. In Norman's first six seasons, he only allowed 13 touchdowns. In his past two years, he's given up 15. So, big, big difference. Now, 
again, one thing I want to talk about, and I'll get into this now, is that with the coronavirus going around, teams aren't able to meet with players. They're not able to scout players, not able to talk to players the same way they normally would be able to. But what's interesting about this now is how this plays even a bigger factor, I think, into things as they go forward. Because now you have players that you have brought in into your squad, because I'm also going to talk about Mario Addison and how this fits in, because he's kind of in the same boat as this, where you have that familiarity and you've got players now on your roster that you already know what they do. You know what they're like. You know how they are in the locker room. You don't have to have the same vetting process for a Josh Norman, a Mario Addison, as you do for other players. In essence, a Stefan Diggs. Now, Diggs we know he's capable of, but you know how Addison and Norman are going to operate because you've coached them. They've been part of your squad. You've seen them. You've interacted with them. You've had that relationship with them and still probably do to some capacity up until them being back on your team. Same with Bean. So you're signing these guys knowing what they're like as people, as players, as teammates, and what they bring to the table besides their athletic abilities. So now in an environment where you don't have the opportunity to sit and meet with these guys to go and watch them, to go and scout them, you're bringing in guys you already know. And I think that puts the Bills up in some of these instances a leg up from their competition, from their counterparts because of these situations. So I think this just gives more color to the whole situation of the Bills making those smart moves. Again, us trusting the process, trusting that we know what Bean and McDermott are doing, and believing in that. You know, again, these are guys that have gotten us into the playoffs two out of the past three years. They have clearly upgraded this team every year. This is just another indication this year of them going ahead and doing that even farther because you've now brought in a a quality cornerback who could easily be a starter, in my opinion. You brought in Mario Addison, who I think, and I will talk about here in a moment, is a clear upgrade from Shaq Lawson. Some of you may not agree with that. But I think that Addison brings a lot to the table that Shaq Lawson doesn't. I like Shaq Lawson as a player. I like him as a person. But I think Addison brings a lot of consistencies to the table that we didn't have out of Lawson. The other thing is, is you look at Stephon Diggs, and we've clearly now got a number one wide receiver. Now, while John Brown had a career year last year, Cole Beasley was darn close to having a career year last year. If he wasn't held out of the last game, probably would have. You look at those guys, and you look at Stephon Diggs now, and you throw him into the mix, and you've now got that number one target. And that is just, again, giving Josh Allen more weapons to take his game to the next level. Because you know you've got a good quarterback. You know you've got the tangibles and the athletic ability that Josh Allen has, but you just need to give him the weapons and continue to give him the weapons. So by bringing Stephon Diggs, I think you've just added to that wide receiver core. You've now got three top-tier wide receivers. You know, you've got Stephon Diggs, Cole Beasley, John Brown. You know, you've got a guy that runs out of the slot in Cole Beasley that's just fantastic at it, that's going to get those receptions. You've got John Brown, who's still a deep threat, who has really modified his game, especially in this past year, to more of an intermediate short route runner, which a lot of people, I think, didn't think he was capable of doing. It was only looked at as a vertical threat. And then you've got Stephon Diggs, who's just all over the place. And what I love about Diggs is you look at him, and he was on a team with Adam Thielen. And both of them had over 1,000 yards last year. So you've got two quality wide receivers who both put up over 1,000 yards. And now you put them on the Bills. 
So now you take a guy like John Brown and Cole Beasley, who had a career year and almost a career year last year, and you take some of the pressure off them by having a guy like Stephon Diggs, who's going to be out there receiving. Now, granted, one of the knocks against Stephon Diggs is his height. He's not a tall player. He's six feet tall. However, that being said, do I think we need a 6'3 wide receiver, 6'4 wide receiver? Sure, always helps in the red zone, but if you look at Stephon Diggs' numbers, it's not the end of the world. The guy clearly is still a threat regardless of his size. So, we'll get back into that later. Next guy I want to talk about is Mario Addison. I love the signing. I really do. Um, Addison agreed to a three-year contract with the Bills for $30.4 million. He will get, however, $14 million this year, but... If you look at what Shaq Lawson got, Shaq Lawson, who went to Miami, is getting $13 million this year and signed a three-year $30 million contract. So it's a pretty comparable contract when you look at us losing Shaq Lawson and replacing him with Mario Addison. Now, the one thing is uh, Addison's deal is front-loaded and can move on after a season with the Bills with a small hunt in 2021. The deal is guaranteed at $15 million compared to $21 million guaranteed that Lawson has. Also, if you look at some of the other guys I've signed, like Robert Quinn, he has a deal with the Bears with five years, $70 million with $30 million guaranteed. So Addison's deal is not that far out of whack. Also, granted, Addison is much older. Again, 32 years old. For some reason, they like signing these 32-year-old former Panthers. He's a great sack producer. He has had at least nine sacks in each of the last four seasons, and in 2017, he had a career-high 11. So the guy's incredibly consistent. You know, he's not going to light the world on fire, but if you're getting at least nine sacks every season and you're 32, I'm super impressed with that. His 39 sacks over the past four years rank 11th in the league. So the guy is very consistent, and that's what you want. I don't want a guy that's going to be up and down, where you're going to go to two sacks, to 15, to three sacks, to 11. It's nice to have a guy that consistently you know is going to produce numbers for you. Obviously, um, again, a former Panther. He's a Panther for the last eight seasons. Addison was with Coach McDermott um, when he was defensive coordinator from 2012 to 2016. The other fun thing is he comes to Buffalo with a new defensive line coach, Eric Washington, who coached him in Carolina for the past nine seasons. So, again, more familiarity for a former player of Carolina coming to Buffalo. So I think, again, this just helps because you know the type of player you're getting. If you also look at Addison, he had 29 and a half sacks between 2016 and 2018. He ranked 10th in the NFL, which put him above players like Joey Bosa, Geno Atkins, Jason Pierre-Paul, Cameron Wake, Everson Griffin, and Demarcus Lawrence. Okay, that's a pretty intensive list. And each of those players had been a pro bowler at least once in their career. Mario Addison, never been a pro bowler. Right? Crazy to think about. Guys had at least nine sacks in the past four years. Never been a pro bowler. Even when he had 11 sacks. Didn't make the pro bowl. But, remember, he played for Carolina. And Carolina is not exactly a very nationally known team. They don't get a lot of press coverage don't get a lot of television coverage also he's very consistent you know he's not a guy that all of a sudden is going to fly out from under the radar because he puts up 15 sacks in a season so while he's very consistent sometimes that works against you because people don't take as much notice when you're that consistent which is good i'm okay with that because again i think this works out well for the bills you know 
He has been incredibly healthy. He's not very injury prone. He started 47 of 48 regular season games in the past three years. And the only game he missed was because of a family tragedy. For me, the issue I had with Shaq Lawson, and granted, I wanted Shaq Lawson back. I did. I like the guy as a player. I think he's a good player. I think he's a good person. The problem I have is that when you draft a player as the 19th pick in the first round in 2016, I expect more. I expect him to be more consistent. I expect more production than where he was up until this point. You know, granted, last year he had a good year. Not going to debate that. You know, that's a fact. He had a good year last year. But the problem is, when we're drafting a player that high, I expect you to be better sooner than that. It shouldn't take you that long to get up to that kind of production. So, if we're going to pay you a comparable amount of money to Mario Addison, who's been incredibly consistent the past four years of having at least nine sacks, and again, no offense, Shaq, I like you. I like you a lot. But for the money, when you're looking at apples to apples here, I got to go with Addison. It's an easy choice for me. Again, you know, you've done a really good job, Lawson, as far as being great with pressure. Uh, you had a pressure in 16 to 17 games. You had t- 22 total pressures from weeks 11 to 17. But, again, I'm looking at that consistency. I'm looking at what's going to be done. And I'm looking at replacing the production. And you give me a guy like Mario Essen, and yes, I understand he's 32. I understand he's a lot older than Shaq. But again, you can sit there and say that all you want. But okay, let's take a player from the Bills that recently retired. Lorenzo Alexander. Okay? 2016, Alexander made the Pro Bowl for the first time in his career with 12 and a half sacks. And you know what? He was better as he was older because he was 33 years old at the time. 33. And he made the Pro Bowl for the first time with 12 and a half sacks. So you can sit there and say, well, the guy's getting older. He's probably not going to produce. But you know what? Lorenzo Alexander bucked that trend. And you got a guy like Mario Addison who's continued to show he's incredibly consistent. Is he a boring player because he's consistent? Sure, I guess so. But is nine sacks boring to me? No, nine sacks is impressive. Especially when you can continue to do that year after year. And you put a guy like Mario Addison coming from Carolina into a much better defense like the Buffalo Bills. And you know what? That gets me excited. Because you take a guy who's got nine sacks in Carolina, put him in with Buffalo who's got a great secondary as it is. You just added Josh Norman, who was an all-pro. And now, so what? You shut down the receivers even more, even more tightly. You give the defense more time to get to the quarterback. And Mario Addison very likely could have another 11, maybe 12, 13 sack season. It's entirely possible. It is not out of the realm of possibility. Because you take nine sacks in Carolina, fine. But you put him in the Bills defense with how quality that secondary is? Boy, I sure as hell expect more than nine sacks. I expect at least double-digit sacks out of this guy. And hopefully that's going to be for years to come. And the argument with a player being older isn't quality. Look at Lorenzo Alexander, pro bowler at 33 years old. So, you know, I'm sorry. You can't really use that as an excuse. Uh, Shaq Lawson, again, I don't think for the money it was worth it. Good luck in Miami. I wish you the best. Granted, you're still in the division, so I hope we beat you every single time. You know, apples to apples for me when you're looking at those contracts, pretty comparable. The difference to me is the age and the production. And I know a lot of the times you're looking at that past production and hoping, you know, you're looking at the pick and hoping that pans out in the future. To me, you've already got that proven with Addison. 
You've seen what he's capable of. You know what he's capable of. And he's been incredibly consistent, incredibly healthy in his career. And you've got a player, McDermott and Bean, know that they're bringing into the organization. There's not going to be the concerns about how he's going to operate in the locker room, how he's going to operate with the media, how he's going to operate with his teammates. And those are things that when you're bringing in new players, especially now when you can't vet players the same way, is a critical piece of how you build your organization for the next season. To me, Addison, again, great signing. Love it. Norman, great signing. Going to be interesting. Norman, to me, is still the most interesting because I think there's a lot of moving pieces with that secondary, and I love the depth we have because now you got Levi Wallace, Josh Norman, EJ Gaines. EJ Gaines and Tredavious White, great tandem back in 2017, and now you got them back together, and you throw in Levi Wallace, who was the starter last year, and Josh Norman, who's an all-pro. This defense has just exploded to me. You've taken a defense that was great, and you've made them even better, which honestly didn't know if that was going to be possible. So, wonderful things. Now, let's talk about the offense. So now you go and get Stephon Diggs from Minnesota, who put up a 1,000-yard season last year with, again, Adam Thielen on his team. So, solid production for both those guys. And I understand we gave up a lot of draft capital for him. We gave up a first-round pick, a fifth-round pick, and a sixth-round pick this year, and a fourth-round pick next year, but we also got a 2027th-round pick. However, the fifth and sixth-round pick that we gave up this year that went to Minnesota came from the Browns and the Patriots for trades that we had with Wyatt Teller and Russell Bodine. So really, we only had to part ways with two of our picks, which was the first-round pick and the fourth-round pick in 2021. So when you look at what we gave up to get Diggs, we really didn't give a lot up to get a guy and a player of that caliber on our team who's a clear number one receiver. Now, you can make the argument on Minnesota's team that he was probably the number two receiver to Thielen. Honestly, you can flip a coin. They were both quality receivers. I don't think there was a lot of differentiation between the two. However, when you're looking at him coming to the Bills, I think he's the clear number one receiver, and that's what they were looking to bring in. And as far as the wide receiver depth of the position, yes, there is a lot but there's no guarantees with that. You can bring in a wide receiver, but you don't know how they're going to produce. With Stephon Diggs, you know what you're getting at this point. And you don't have to worry about the learning curve of the NFL with Diggs. And he's still a relatively young player. So when you have a rookie, you've got to have that learning curve. They're going to take time to get used to the offense, the speed of the game, because it's much different than college. Diggs you're already getting a quality player that knows how to operate because he's only 26. And he's under contract now for four more years with a reasonable salary. Again, he doesn't have a cap hit higher than $12 million any of those seasons. So, yeah, it's still a decent amount, but it's not anything crushing. You know, we're not going to have a cap hit of $16, $17, $18 million on a player at this point for that position. Who, again, four years, quality player, 1,000-yard season last year with another solid wide receiver on the other side, and they needed to upgrade the passing offense. I love Josh Allen. I love his arm strength. I love the intangibles he has. I love that they brought in Brown and Beasley. I mean, if you look at what we've done with the wide receivers past couple years, they have really made that a critical position to upgrade. You look at the fact we had Zay Jones and Calvin Benjamin, okay, two years ago. Then you go to John Brown and Cole Beasley. Now you bring in Stephon Diggs. I mean, if you want to talk about some serious upgrades over the past couple of years, that's as clear as day to me. I mean, you went from a guy who's not even in the league anymore with Kelvin Benjamin, who who was just 
quite frankly awful. And again, you can make the argument with Stefan Diggs and say, well, he's not tall. Okay, well, Kelvin Benjamin was pretty tall, and he was not good. He didn't really help us at all. You know, he had Zay Jones. Zay Jones didn't quite pan out either for us. And now you're bringing in a player because the Bills were in the bottom third of the league last year when it came to passing. They ranked 26 of 32 teams with just 3,229 passing yards. They also ranked dead last in completion percentage at 58.8% and 23rd in total yards at 3,089. So they knew they wanted to upgrade the position. They went and they got one of the best available players out there. And they did not give away the farm. Again, we gave away a lot of picks. I understand that. But we gave away a lot of picks we inherited. So we really didn't lose here. We used what we had to get a player we know what we're going to get out of. We're not taking the chance with a rookie if it's going to pan out or not. And I think that's a big thing to keep in mind. Because yes, I understand there's a lot of quality receivers in the draft in college. But the college success does not necessarily translate to pro success. You have a guy that you're bringing in that you know has been successful at the pro level into your team to help a quarterback who's now going to be in his junior year, essentially. You know, granted, he didn't play much his first year. Obviously, last year he started all the time. This year is going to be a critical step for him. And this is going to allow Allen to take that big leap from year two to year three, in my opinion. And it's going to take a lot of pressure off of Brown and Beasley. And honestly, it's probably going to be beneficial for both Brown and Beasley because it's going to free them up more, and they may actually produce better than they did last year because of that. The other thing was is obviously they wanted to bring in more playmakers. Diggs is great for that. He had a 67% catch rate last season, and that would have loved all Buffalo receivers who had more than 50 targets. Their thing is they did have a deep wide receiver position last year like we talked about, but for the first time since 2015, the Bills had a 1,000-yard receiver, which was John Brown. Beasley had over 60 receptions, and they both had six receiving touchdowns. Diggs is going to fit in great and help Allen really take that next step. Obviously, Brown and Beasley were good weapons, but Diggs is going to be a much harder person to defend. I mean, if you've watched any clips of this guy, some of the catches he makes, the speed he has, it's just it's, it's impressive. And that should free up Brown and Beasley more. And the thing is, now you've got three quality receivers. Last year we had two. And you could say, okay, well, we had, and I love Duke Williams. I do. I still want him to play more. He doesn't. I hope they find a way to fit him in the offense in some capacity. But then what? You got McKenzie. You got Foster. I mean, I, there's no real, to me, there was no real quality third wide receiver. And now you've got three. You have three quality receivers. There's, there's no question about that to me. So now you bring in three quality receivers. You give Allen a ton of weapons. You've got Motor, still running back. You've got currently TJ Yeldon, who's a great receiving back, or at least was in Jacksonville. Granted, last year he spent most of the season inactive. But looking at the roster as it stands now, that's what we have at running back. I don't think that will stay the case after the draft. I'm sure we're going to draft a running back. Um, I'm sure they're going to look to upgrade that position. I would be shocked if the Bills didn't. But again... Who knows? They have plans, obviously. Um, you know, and you look at Diggs. He's coming off back-to-back 1,000-yard seasons. And again, he did this working with Adam Thielen. And again, Adam Thielen is a solid receiver. In 2018, Diggs had 102 receptions, 1,021 yards. 1,021 yards, 102 receptions. His average reception was 10 yards. And he had nine touchdowns. 
That's crazy. Last year, he had 63 receptions, so a lot less for 1,130 yards. But his average catch was 17.3 yards. So you want to talk about extending the field? That's a big extension. And then you get a guy like John Brown who's got speed too, and you put those guys downfield, wow. And if they're not open, fine, okay. You take Cole Beasley in the slot, great. I'll take eight, nine yards out of Cole Beasley every single time if that's the case. And again, he had six touchdowns again last year. So his touchdown totals over the last three seasons was eight in 2017, nine in 2018, and six in 2019. All of those seasons with those touchdowns, eight, nine, and six, would have been team highs for the Buffalo Bills those seasons, if not tied. Last year, again, Brown and Beasley both six touchdowns. Stephon Diggs, six touchdowns. So you're bringing a guy, 1,000-yard receiver, touchdown leader, would have been in the Bills. So to me, this is a very easy move. You've got those top receivers now. He's never finished a season with less than 50 receptions and 720 receiving yards. And that was in his rookie season. So, I mean, you've got a guy who you know is going to produce at this point. Diggs is also really good with the ball. He doesn't turn it over. In the three years prior to 2019, he'd never given up a fumble. Now, last year was an anomaly. He did give up four fumbles last year. Um, But again, prior to that, those three seasons, he had never given up a fumble. So you got a guy who's really good at not only receiving, but also holding the ball and keeping it. And he's only 26. I mean, that's crazy. Brown and Beasley are both 30. But you've got a guy, 26, who you have for the next four years, who's a 1,000-yard receiver, who puts up a decent amount of touchdowns, and a minimum six. So to me, this is, again, easy choice. Like I talked about, he's still only six feet tall, so you don't have the height there that you might want in the red zone. But again, you've got guys like Duke Williams. You've got your tight ends. It, height's a big thing, but again, if you can get the separation, you might not need to worry about the height as much. You know, if you can jet downfield and you can get open, you might not need to worry about the red zone because you're just going to run into it when you catch the ball 20 yards downfield and break away from the defense. He's just, he's a great player. He likes where he's at. You know, if you follow Diggs at all, he did write an article for the Players' Tribune. I actually love reading these. I'm talking about how excited he was to work with Josh Allen. Because the first time he saw Allen play was when they played in that 2018 uh, matchup in Week 3 where the Vikings got spanked 27-6. to He was talking about how Allen had that leap over Anthony Barr for the first down. Diggs went on to say, I remember being on the sidelines thinking, okay, this guy's got some moxie. He just had a ton of energy and played with so much passion. And anybody who knows me knows that I'm a passionate guy. I wear my heart on my sleeve, and I give everything I got every time I step onto the field. I could tell right away that Josh Allen was the same type of player. So once I found out about the trade, I couldn't wait to go to work with him. So you get a guy who's not only a quality receiver, who's excited to be where he is, who's excited to be part of the Bills Mafia family, who's excited to play with a player like Josh Allen. And you take a guy with that kind of passion, that kind of energy, that kind of talent, and you put him in an opportunity to succeed with a quarterback who has an arm that's a cannon, who has no problem throwing 50 yards downfield without breaking his sweat, it's exciting. It's real exciting. You take a cornerback who's an all-pro, and you throw him in the number two spot potentially over our starting cornerback last year and a quarterback that we had two years ago who was also a starter with Tredavious White. And then you take a guy who's in the past four years had at least nine sacks and add him to our defense? Tell me how you're not excited. 
please, by all means, send me something on Twitter. Send me a DM and tell me how you're not excited about those three guys and how any of those moves are bad moves right now because we give up almost no draft capital for Stefan Diggs because they were inherited draft picks as it begins with. Josh Norman, not a big cap hit, not a big risk with one year. Doesn't pan out? Fine. We're out six, maybe $8 million on a failed experiment for an all-pro. I'm willing to roll the dice on that. I trust Beanie McDermott when they know this guy. Mario Addison, better consistency in production than, than Shaq Lawson was, and a comparable contract for a player that finally just had a career year last year after he was a first-round pick four years later. To me, if Shaq Lawson happens to pan out in Miami, great. I'm not entirely convinced he's going to. I expected more within the first four years, and we didn't get it. So I'm happy taking that kind of contract on a player that's 32, that Bean and McDermott know, that have the opportunity to bring in a player that they know is going to be successful and has been successful. And again, with coronavirus, not being able to scout players, not being able to meet with players the same way, I think this gives them a leg up because you know what you're getting with these two guys at least. Stefan Diggs, you know what you're getting quality-wise. In the locker room, not as much because you don't have that same type of interaction. You haven't spent the time with him like you have with Asin Norman, where you've literally been coaching these players. You've been on the sidelines with these players for years. But I'm willing to take that chance because the potential is there, the quality is there, the athleticism is there, and I think that is the player that takes Josh Allen to the next level. He's always been getting closer and closer, and they've been continuing to build pieces around him. They're building this team around Josh Allen's strengths. When you can have wide receivers that can go off for 1,000 yards, you have three quality receivers. You've got your outlet, your safety valve, in Cole Beasley, which Josh Allen has said that that's his safety valve. You've got a running back in motor who can go ahead and put up probably 1,000 yards without a problem when he's the number one lead back. You've got a running back right now in T.J. Eldon, who's a great receiving back. You give Josh Allen a lot of quality weapons. You give Josh Allen a better defense than we had last year, in my opinion. We've lost some pieces. Yes, Alexander retired. We lost Jordan Phillips. Obviously, we lost Chuck Lawson. However, you look at we bring in Mario Addison, and we've added some key pieces to what we have, you know, we lost Johnson in, in the cornerback position, but we brought in E.J. Gaines back, and we brought in Norman. And again, E.J. Gaines. I, I didn't even get into this discussion. Again, same thing. Player that we had on Buffalo. So we brought back a guy that we still have the familiarity with because he was already on the team and worked with Trey Davis White. So now we have even better depth at the cornerback position in the secondary than we've ever probably had. And it was already a top-tier defense back there. And you've made it better, significantly better. So I don't think you can gripe about any one of these three picks. Granted, yeah, we can nitpick all we want. But to me, I think this was easy. I think this was an easy choice. I think these were three quality picks, three smart moves, three calculated risks that I am 100% okay with. I think it takes the team to a better level than it was last year. I expect Stefan Diggs to excel. I expect John Brown and Cole Beasley to probably have career years as well. I expect Josh Allen to have a career year. Because this again, and the other thing I like about this, is you give him another receiver, hopefully, because I don't want to see this. I don't want to see him running as much. He has a problem holding on and securing the ball. And honestly, I don't want him taking the hits. So if we can avoid him running and taking any potential hits that we don't need to have him take, great. 
I want him to be around for a long time. I like Josh Allen. I think he's a quality quarterback. I think he has a lot to offer. I think he has a lot of potential, and I think this year is going to be a year he can really set himself apart. I'm excited for the year. I'm looking forward to the year. I can't wait for football to come back in season. I hope it comes back in season in some capacity. The other thing I quickly want to talk about is, and this is not in any way having to do with any picks as far as what we have on our team, but just the draft in general. Obviously, it's virtual. What I'm really curious to see, and I've had discussions with several of my friends, is what's going to happen with the draft picks this year. Because every year at the draft, these guys come up on stage, and they get their cap, they get their jersey, but they're not there. So is the NFL sending all these guys the caps? Are they sending jerseys? Are they going to even be putting them on when they get drafted by these teams? You know, quickly reaching in and grabbing a uh, Browns hat or a Steelers hat or whatever it may be for that team. I don't know. I'm really curious to see how this is going to go. On another note, I do feel bad for these players because they don't get the experience. And same thing with anything. Same thing with, you know, I, I play college sports myself. You know, same thing with anybody that was a senior that didn't get to finish their season. I feel bad for all those players because you miss that opportunity. You get that taken away from you and you can't get that back. And I understand these are extenuating circumstances and times and, and I certainly am empathetic to that, but as an athlete, it's hard to accept not having that opportunity to have that last time to step on the field with your teammates, to experience what that's like, to be done with that last game and just take it all in at the end. Maybe shed a few tears, you know, whatever that is. And even with high school, you know, uh, you got kids going to college um, who are not, who are not going to have graduation. You know, they're not going to get to walk across that stage, hear their name called. It's it's just crazy times. And, and to all of you listening right now, I just want to say, I hope you're all staying safe, wherever you are, whatever you're doing. To all you frontline workers, thank you. You know, thank you for health care. Thank you for those of you working in the grocery stores, for the truck drivers, for everyone that's keeping all of us at home going. I hope you're all staying safe. I appreciate all of you for listening and following and continuing to support Beware the Stampede. For those of you that are waiting on koozies, stickers, patches, whatever it may be. I'll get those out to you. Obviously, right now with everything going on, I'm trying to avoid going out as much as possible, so I have not been able to make it to the post office, but I assure you they will be going out to you. If you are not on that list of people and you would like a koozie, sticker, something like that, please hit me up on uh, Twitter, send me a direct message, whatever it may be. You can email me through the website at bewarethestampede.com. There's a section you can send an email and let me know. Happy to send some stuff out to you. Always appreciate the support from you guys. And again, in the meantime, enjoy the draft. Take care of each other. Be safe. Be smart. And until next time, go Bills and beware the stampede.